You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good, I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Happy Thanksgiving to all the fans out there that celebrated Thanksgiving, and if you didn't, shame on you. It was Turkey Day, and I enjoyed myself over last weekend, and now we're on to Christmas. New Year's, and we have a very special guest in the studio tonight, not just me and Speedy Petey. We have my former partner, Mikey C. So for all the fans, you're going to enjoy a very selfless, crazy personality in this studio moving forward tonight, but we're very happy to have him on. Speedy, what's going on, man? I just want to dedicate this show tonight to my grandfather, Carl, my dad's father who passed away two years ago yesterday. He was a great man. We've talked about it on Veterans Day. A veteran, very brave guy, worked in so many different areas and raised my my father and a lot of my aunts and uncles that have been a tremendous impact on me in my life. I lived with him for about four years before he passed away, unfortunately, in 2021. So this show dedicated tonight is for him. Absolutely. He was a great guy and dedicated to me, too, because mm-hmm. I am absolutely sick. I'm actually really sick. I have, like, bronchitis. I have a post-nasal drip. But he was a great man. Uh, may he rest in peace. I've known him for a long time before he passed away. Great sports fan. He was very proud of you, of all the work that you put in into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and everything that you've done so far, the growth of who you are, not only as a broadcaster and analyst, but just a great personality. And I know that he's watching down and seeing how special you really are, not only as a radio show host, but as a person. Yes, very well said. And I'm glad that you've gotten to know him too. He was a guy that loved to talk to a lot of people, no matter who you are, no matter what you did. And he really connected with everybody well. Thank Absolutely. you so much. I hope everybody enjoyed the Islander game, by the way. It was a very good game. And for all you Islander fans, don't worry. Everything will be okay. A little bit later in the show, we'll be talking to founder of Pitcher's List, Nick Pollock. This guy is fantastic. A must listen to. So if you guys have never checked this guy out on Twitter, X, why don't we just call it Musk? Nick is fantastic. He knows a lot about baseball. 52,000 followers on X or Musk. Definitely <laughs> tune in a little bit later in the show. It's a must listen to. The Jets open the 21 day practice window for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers should not come back this year as Joe Namath came out and spoke his piece with, with the whole situation saying there's no way in hell he should come back knowing that the Jets have a 0.4% chance of making the playoffs but again the Jets are the Jets. Is Dak Prescott the NFL MVP? I do believe right now he is but a lot of people all over social media have been taking taking shots at this guy. I have no idea why everybody is taking shots at this guy. Von Miller is issued an arrest warrant for allegedly assaulting a pregnant woman. After the story came out, another story came out that they were dropping the charges. Makes no sense. This has been going on in the NFL. This has been going on in professional sports for the last couple of years. And the NFL, the MLB, the NHL, the NBA need to drop the hammer on this. This should not be going on. Our three-for-all picks of the week. MLB wants to 
Soto is likely to enter free agency in 2025, no matter where he is traded to. Me and Mikey C are completely out there with this. Uh, he <laughs> disagrees with me in so many ways, and I absolutely disagree with him. So The Yankees and Padres already exchanging names in a potential Juan Soto trade. There are four players I would not trade when it comes to Juan Soto, especially as a rentals. Mets sign Luis Savarino to a one-year $13 million deal. I know a lot of Mets fans don't like it. I think this was a good move by the Mets. $13 million for Luis Severino. Five years ago, he was one of the best American League pitchers. I know it was five years ago, but he still has a powerful arm, and he still could be put in a good position to succeed. Rangers and Islanders and Devils update. We will get into Knicks and Nets update as well. And, of course, Moneyline Mania tonight. It will be with Hector, so that'll be fun. So why don't we get into it, ladies and gentlemen. The New York Jets, a.k.a. the Aaron Rodgers. That's what I say, because Aaron Rodgers is the Jets. Whatever Aaron Rodgers wants, the Jets do. Whatever Aaron Rodgers wants Joe Douglas to do, Joe Douglas does. And now, Aaron Rodgers speaks out about Robert Sala on the Pat McAfee show, saying that every great coach needs a great quarterback. So why don't we get into the unlikely source of the Jets playing him for the rest of the season. Aaron Rodgers comes out over the last couple of weeks on the Pat McAfee show and has said that he has been getting healthy. He's starting to move. He's starting to run. He's starting to jog. He's starting to do all these different things. And the Jets announced that Aaron Rodgers now has reached the 21-day practice window, and it's officially open. Robert Sala said the window is open for functional activity, but Rodgers will not be participating in any contact practices. Aaron said on the Pat McAfee show that health comes first. Then the question becomes if the team's in it or can make a run for the postseason, then he would play. Rogers said last week on the Pat McAfee show that he wants to return to practice fully in two weeks and wants to take flight sooner rather than later. Rogers said the injury has felt like retirement and he doesn't like that. Rogers also defended coach Robert Sala saying that when he thinks about all the best coaches of all time, they all had awesome quarterbacks. The Jets have lost four straight games and are now four and seven tied for the second worst record in the AFC. You think about the New York Jets right now. Anybody that thinks that the New York Jets are in a great position and they could still make the playoffs numbers would tell you they're still in it but your brain should tell you it's over what we saw on the first Black Friday game, thank God we didn't have to see Zach Wilson. But Boyle isn't any better. They don't have a real backup quarterback. Why didn't they take on Carlson Wentz? Why didn't Matt Ryan come out of retirement and take in over the starting quarterback position when Aaron Rodgers got hurt week one? I don't understand it. And I think Joe Douglas has been hiding because he's not answering questions on why he had not bring in a competent quarterback over the last couple of weeks. This defense is one of the top five defenses in all of football. Remember Rex Ryan's teams? They had great defenses, but they had nothing on the offensive side of the ball. Except one year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Did they make the playoffs that year? No. When Rex Ryan took the Jets to -to back-to-back AFC title games, they had a top five defense. But they had a competent quarterback. He's known for his butt fumbles. But instead, he actually has won four games on the road, which how many quarterbacks over the last couple of years 
have won four road games in the playoffs. Look what Geno Smith has turned into. Backing up Russell Wilson all those years. Then he takes over the starting quarterback job. He's flourishing. The New York Jets have had problems developing quarterbacks. Zach Wilson obviously is done. He's no longer going to be a Jet. If the Jets decide to bring him back, shame on the Jets. They bring in Tim Boyle. I understand he knows the offense. I understand he knows Nathaniel Hackett. I understand he was the third-string quarterback with Green Bay with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't sell to the Jet fans because Aaron Rodgers, after four plays, was out for the season. Now he wants to come back, which I don't understand either. The Jets have lost four games in a row and embarrassed themselves. Their defense has kept them in every single game. Where is Brees Hall? Brees Hall is one of the more dominant running backs in the league. Why isn't he touching the ball more than 12 times? Aaron Wilson, I understand he's confused. He doesn't understand how and why this offense is so inept. He's one of the reasons why it's inept. And they don't have a second wide receiver. I know everybody loved Alan Lazard. I was one of them that thought that he was going to be competent as a wide receiver if Aaron Rodgers was on the field. They don't have any competent wide receivers. Gibson has shown flashes of that in the slot. But is he going to be your second guy? Now, going into this 21-day practice window, the Jets are not winning this week against Atlanta. And then they have... Houston Texans, where C.J. Stroud is an MVP candidate. He's been dominant. And if Aaron Rodgers appears to come back in that game, which he's not, maybe they have a chance. But there's no offensive line. So why would Aaron Rodgers come back and risk himself hurting himself, maybe career-ending for his Achilles? It doesn't make sense. So why would the Jets give him this window? I understand they want to make the playoffs. I understand the fans want to see Aaron Rodgers on the field. Why? Why would you risk this? You have another two seasons with possibly Aaron Rodgers. Why would you risk a career-ending injury where you can obviously get a top-10 pick? Now, you don't want to lose. You don't want to see a team actually throw games away. Where you see the Jets right now, are they going to win another game? You have Atlanta. You have Houston. You have Miami. You have Washington. The best chance they have to win is against Washington. And Sam Howell, he is going to put up at least 17 points in that game. The Jets haven't scored more than 10 points in the last six weeks. How are they winning that game? What are they going to do that's going to change their fortunes? It doesn't make sense. So why does anybody believe the Jets are going to win another game this year? I understand Aaron Rodgers going on the Pat McAfee show. I don't understand why he's defending Robert Sala because Robert Sala has been one of the worst second half coaches in NFL history. The Jets were 7-4 and four at one point last year and they didn't win one game after that. This year, they were at one point four and three. Well, now they're four and seven. They've lost four games in a row, and they probably aren't going to win another game this year. Maybe against the Patriots in the final game of the season, if the Patriots just say, here's a give me, because we want Drake May. Nah, Bill Belichick would never do that. Bill Belichick would still want to destroy the Jets. Who knows? The Patriots want a quarterback. (laughs) Why would they actually win that game against the Jets where it could screw them out of getting the quarterback that they want? Well, if Bill Belichick knows he's leaving or is going to be forced out, maybe he does want to screw the Patriots. He was on the Pat McAfee show, and we have a couple of clips that we want to play on interesting quarterbacks that he has spoke highly of. I want to talk about Dak because he's become one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. I've watched more football this year than any other year because normal years, you're getting ready for games, so you never watch some football, right? And you might see some scores on your phone and maybe every now and then, you know, see a Sunday night game part of Monday or Thursday. I'm not watching a lot of games. And this year I've watched a lot more games than usual. Brady had some comments about some of the mediocrity in the game. Dak is not who he was talking about. Okay. Um, for a number of reasons. But I just love that it, he's really playing the position. What I mean by that is I'm watching him make Ringo calls. So that's protection adjustments against these crazy looks. 
and picking things up. I'm watching them bring the tight end back in against a zero pressure and throw an old concept we used to run for a touchdown to CeeDee Lamb in the back of the end zone. I'm watching him use his cadence beautifully and get into this rhythmic here we go into like using it as a dummy sometimes, doing it twice, into like other cadences. The last four or five weeks I've gotten to see more of their games. He's playing a position in a really impressive way. For all the people out there, for the last couple of years, throwing Dak Prescott under the bus, that he's not a winning quarterback, that he beats all the bad teams and never wins against the good teams. You play to win the game. You play whoever's on your schedule. Now, obviously he's had problems with San Francisco and the Eagles over the last couple of years. Nobody's going to compare him to the elite quarterbacks in the league, even though he's been elite. Numbers. Better than Patrick Mahomes. Better than Lamar Jackson. Better than Jalen Hurts. His numbers are as good or even better than any of these quarterbacks that right now are on the list to win the MVP. What does that tell you about Dak Prescott? If Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback, he is absolutely Absolutely an elite quarterback right now. And when you have Aaron Rodgers sticking up for him, when you have had other quarterbacks coming out over the last two years saying that Dak is for real, Dak is a good quarterback, he's a legitimate quarterback in this league, and everybody has thrown him to the wolves and said that this guy stinks, get rid of him, he's going to make $60 million next year. Dak Prescott's the MVP of the league! Yeah, and it's easy to do, oh, he can't win the big game. One, it's a regular season award, and two, it's fine to be worried about that kind of thing with any quarterback that's had issues in the playoffs when he still has had that good of a regular season. Lamar Jackson's had issues in the playoffs. Are we going to downgrade Lamar Jackson? Everybody for being does. Yeah. Peyton Manning's had problems as far as the playoffs are concerned. In the regular season, he's a dominant quarterback. Plenty of MVPs have games where they're going to stat pad. Games are going to be looking at big games against bad teams. That's the argument a lot of people are going to make too. Dak Prescott's doing it against the Giants and the Commanders and all that. Lamar Jackson's done that for years too against the Browns. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did it against the Raiders and the Chargers. Everyone's going to have their great games against bad teams. It happens. Patrick Mahomes had his best game of the year against the Bears. Like, is anyone going to? And say, oh, it was the Bears. You have to have that same logic for Dak Prescott's kind of thing, too. I think Jalen Hurts, he's the one that's probably the most out of it because I think his 11 rushing touchdowns are more like, okay, you got a lot on the one yard line. That's less on him than it is with the offensive line. I think it's a good race between the rest of those three of them because Mahomes, no receivers. Lamar Jackson's doing with the rushing and still has a lot of injuries on that offense. And Dak Prescott has done it at the best number rate in the season so far. Who has Patrick Mahomes beaten this year? He lost against Philly. Did he have such a great game? Yes, obviously they could have won the game. And you were heard Aaron Rodgers say it. It takes a lot to play the position. It takes a lot to call plays and look at the line of scrimmage and see what the linebackers are doing, see what the safeties are doing, how they're going to run a blitz, how are they going to bring up the defensive linemen or a blitz package of bringing up corners. All the different styles you're going to call the plays at the line of scrimmage so your offensive line could read it and understand it. It's not an easy position. That's why the quarterbacks make the most money. I'm not saying Dak Prescott is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm not saying that he's better than Patrick Mahomes. But this year, he's been the best quarterback in in the NFL. As a Jet fan, I would absolutely die if we had Dak Prescott as our starting quarterback. I would love it. I know Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, and I'm happy that Aaron Rodgers, when he does play, is going to be the Jets quarterback. But right now, Dak Prescott would be phenomenal on the New York Jets. Do you know what Garrett Wilson's numbers would be right now? Look at C.D. Lamb. Look what C.D. Lamb has done in the last couple of years. You think it's just C.D. Lamb making those plays? Dak has to put those balls in the position for him to grab. So I don't understand why everybody throws this guy to the Wolves and thinks that, oh, you know what? It's Dak Prescott. He stinks. He was fourth round draft pick. And Tony Romo's so beloved. What did Tony Romo do? He was a good quarterback. If you look at Dak's numbers to Tony Romo's, Dak is a way better quarterback than Tony Romo. Yeah, we talk about like 
second tier quarterbacks like they're trying to make that climb to have that kind of big year to get to that elite status because there are obvious elite quarterbacks and those guys that are right on the fringe Dak Prescott was always thought of in that maybe 8 to 12 tier of quarterbacks this kind of year having the third second quarterback year definitely has to elevate him to overall quarterback five or six and he's doing it in circumstances that are still not like the easiest not like he has the Philly skill players around him or the Bengals skill players around him he's got one player CD Lamb CD Lamb has had a phenomenal year I want to hear about Pollard because he stinks this year Pollard's had an inconsistent year and CD Lamb has probably had the third or fourth best wide receiver year individually but think about Brandon Cooks they brought in did not do much until recently Michael Gallup still trying to find his way back from the injury yep offensive line's been banged up they have a nice second year tight end with Ferguson who's played well but these aren't the Eagles or the Bengals or any teams like that skill players you have this great supporting cast around you and Mike McCarthy is a decent coach are you going to call him like a genius I don't think so I don't think any Packers fans he would call him a genius (laughs) when Aaron Rodgers was there and Brett Favre you're not dealing with like the A plus amazing circumstances to help him out either so he definitely has a legitimate case now I think he has more to work with than Lamar Jackson right now but Lamar Jackson also had Mark Andrews who just got hurt and still had a good offensive line so like all the circumstances are not going to say all right Dak Prescott is that much better of circumstances than Mahomes or Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts who is also on that list and is leading for whatever reason has the most to work with by far way most to work with I mean AJ Brown yeah Smith Swift has been fantastic best offensive line in football what does Dak have why does everybody hate this guy and Aaron Rodgers said it best. How could you ever torch this guy the way you have this year? He has been as good as any quarterback in the NFL. The Dallas Police Department announces that they are issuing an arrest warrant for Von Miller for allegedly assaulting a pregnant woman. According to police statements, Miller and the alleged victim got into a verbal argument whereupon Miller allegedly assaulted the victim. The police department responded to this matter as a major disturbance on Wednesday morning. Cops say the woman had been treated with minor injuries but did not need to go to the hospital. Miller had reportedly seen this woman for about seven years but he didn't even know she was pregnant so maybe that was where the fight happened but the woman said that Miller grabbed her, pushed her, yanked some of her hair and grabbed her arms and wrapped them around her neck. The woman requested recorded a video of this incident which has been given to the police and photos to prove she was six months pregnant. I don't know if he's the father. I understand she has video and we've seen this over and over and over again in professional football. The New York Giants kicker Brown, he was beating up his wife for years and everybody knew about it including the Mara family and the Tish family and they threw it under the rug. They didn't want to do anything. They fined him and then they eventually suspended him and then got rid of him. I don't know if this story is true. Maybe she does have video. Maybe this story is going to grow legs. We have seen this before. We have seen NFL players also be accused of things that they haven't done. Now, I've never heard any story come out over the years about Von Miller being abusive. I do know Von Miller is one of those leaders that you respect, one of the better defensive players we've seen in the NFL for the last 15 years. I believe a Hall of Famer. He won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. He was the MVP. And the NFL definitely has to investigate it because, you know, the police is going to investigate it. And this could be worse in that situation more than the NFL finding him and suspending him, kicking him out of the league. We've seen this before. Ray Rice was one of those guys guys. She wasn't pregnant. He was in an elevator. He was drinking. Something happened in the casino and he knocked his future wife out. What happened? He gets suspended and he never plays in the NFL again. Now Von Miller is a little bit up there in age. He just got a hundred and some million dollar contract from the Buffalo Bills. I don't see anybody taking on a contract like that. I think his career is over if this story is true. Now I understand what Roger Goodell is trying to do. He's trying to fix the league. He's trying to look at the league as a whole. Not just in the fact of domestic violence 
violence and drug abuse and also betting on sports now, which has become a very popular thing for NFL players to do. But when you look at this and you look at the fact that domestic violence has been going on in professional sports and then finally the NFL steps in and they're starting dropping hammers on these players because they shouldn't be putting their hands on women. Where is the NFL with this? Why isn't the NFL doing more when it comes to this? Because how many domestic violent things that we've seen come out of the NFL? Why isn't the NFL suspended these guys significantly? Watson was getting hand job at the Texans facility. That was illegal too and that's something that the NFL is not going to like or is going to push when it comes to professional sports. What is the NFL going to do to Von Miller? Von Miller is very well respected in the NFL, well respected around his peers. Now, if this is true, I'd suspend him for a full season without pay. And the NFL has to look like this. Miles Garrett, how many games did he miss by taking his helmet off and trying to hit a quarterback? Just six games. This is even worse than that. You're putting your hands on a woman. You're beating a woman up. How could you let this go? And Roger Goodell, he's been sweeping things on the rug for years. The CTE situation, paying players for obviously that have retired and giving them what they need to rehabilitate when it comes to brain injury, knee injuries, back injuries, $100 million. It, it disrupts what the NFL is trying to build as a product. And they're also inconsistent with it too. Like you talked about Josh Brown. Josh Brown only got like two games and meanwhile somebody like Ezekiel Elliott who ended up being wrongfully convicted got six games and Watson got 12. So they really don't have a standard of anything right now and you wonder somebody like Von Miller who I agree definitely should be suspended the rest of this season maybe even longer than that. Well, you can't suspend him unless you know if well, this yeah. story is true. Uh-huh. She says she has video. Does she have video him hitting her or grabbing her? If she has video just videoing her arms being grabbed, her mother could have done it. Yeah. Her father could have done it. Her sister could have done it to her. There's so many cameras all over the place now. If somebody didn't catch Von Miller, Von Miller's a big man. The guy's like six foot four, 260 pounds. He's a linebacker, defensive end. He's a big man. Somebody has a video of it. And if they don't, and if it's in stages of her house, and she just had video of bruises on her arm, that's not enough to convict him. It could be about a baby. It could be about money. What she was describing definitely sounds a lot worse than in some of these situations we've seen. The worst one probably was Greg Hardy with the NFL standards, but... Oh, my God, what he did to yeah. his girlfriend. Oh, my God. He almost killed her. And he still got a job by the Cowboys. Yeah, the great Jerry Jones. Not caring about off-field issues, but this is a different standard of that. It's still very violent. Bills are going to be stuck with that contract for a while. So there's four more years left on that deal. I think that Von Miller right now is a Hall of Fame. This could hurt him going into the Hall of Fame. Why would the board actually vote him in? If this story is true. Terrell Owens got kept out for Not even close to being as bad. What they did to Terrell Owens was a catastrophe. I understand that he has a lot of interesting personalities off the field. There was something going on with the San Francisco 49ers, and he was doing sit-ups on the end of his driveway. People were videotaping, and he was doing sit-ups. It made no sense. And then with the Cowboys pulling his pants down or dancing around the Cowboys star after San Francisco beat them. Signing the cameras over the years after he scores a touchdown and dancing around. So Terrell Owens, he's not a likable person. He's a sore winner, and he's a talented player. I think Terrell Owens is the second greatest wide receiver of all time, right behind Jerry Rice. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if the fact that Randy Moss is a first ballot Hall of Famer, for all the complications and stuff that's been going on with his background, especially off the field, how is he a first ballot Hall of Famer and Terrell Owens isn't? But that's the NFL, and that's what the NFL likes to do. If they like somebody, they like his punctuality, they're going to induct him into the Hall of Fame faster than the other other guy who doesn't want to have anything to do with the NFL after he leaves. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our three for all picks 
of the week. We'll start with the Lions and the Saints, 45 and a half the over-under. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. The Lions' defense has struggled in recent weeks. I almost was considering picking the Saints to win, but Chris Olave might play, but he's not 100% healthy. So I am going to take the Lions, but I do think it'll be close. I'm going to take them on the under. Thanksgiving football, they did not look good. Against Jordan Love, against the Green Bay Packers, no question. But I think in this game, there's no way they're going to go into a game where they're going to lose back-to-back weeks. I love the Lions on the money line. All right, game with wild card implications of the AFC. The Broncos and the Texans, 46 and a half. The Broncos have had a very nice winning streak, five games in a row. Their defense has turned it around, but I always say too hot. All streaks come to an end eventually. I think the Texans bounce back after the losing last week against the Jags. CJ Stroud, I think, bounces back. I think his mobility will help against this Broncos defense and decoying from Patrick Sertan. Give me the Texans in this one. I'll take them on the over. On the sports loudmouth, I picked the Broncos. On the weekend crunch, I am going to flip it. I'm going to go with the Texans this week. I love C.J. Stroud. I think the defense for the Broncos has looked really, really good over the last couple of weeks, but I think that C.J. Stroud is going to put up a 300-yard, three-touchdown game. Give me the Texans! On the money line. All right, and the biggest game of the week, the Sunday night football matchup, the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. It is 45 and a half. The Eagles defense still showing some leaks against the Bills last week. I'm going to take the 49ers. I just think they're the more complete team right now. They're fully healthy now. Debo Samuel, that offensive line, getting a lot healthier. So I think the Niners are going to win this game, get their revenge. Give me San Francisco on the under. It's all about health. And right now, the Eagles going into the game, they're not healthy. San Francisco is 100% healthy. Christian McCaffrey is running all over everybody. Debo Samuel's there. Hayuk is there. Mr. Kittles is healthy as well. Catching the ball. Purdy's on the field. Let's go for it. I absolutely believe San Francisco will win this game. It's the game that they've been waiting for after what happened in the playoffs last year after Brock Purdy was eliminated from the game and tearing his UCL. Give me the San Francisco 49ers on the money line. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our three-for-all picks of the week. I'm looking forward to that San Francisco game. I want to give the Eagles all the credit in the world going into this game and trying to pull this one out. They've been pulling out wins out of their rear ends. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this week. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, some MLB conversation you guys are going to like. My friend Mikey C. When we come back, I will introduce you to Mikey C and definitely argue my thoughts to the Juan Soto conversation as the New York Yankees are exchanging names for the great Juan Soto. I will tell you why the Yankees do not trade their top prospects here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crouch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey, Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Great content, great guests. Who into the Sports Loudmouths, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Look up the Sports Loudmouth or go to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network podcast by going to Apple and Spotify. We have a very special guest here. He is a Met fan and he has his own thoughts to this story as the New York Yankees are right now trying to make a trade for the great Juan Soto. Multiple reports believe trading for Juan Soto will just be a rental and he will most likely hit free agency in 2025 no matter where he is traded. There is a belief 
with Scott Boris as his agent, Soto will target a contract close to $500 million, which they don't expect him to get this offseason if he were to sign an extension. The Padres are reportedly in a lot of financial trouble, having to take out $50 million loan to resolve a lot of luxury tax and payroll issues from last season. SNY's Andy Martino reports that the Yankees and Padres are already exchanging names in a potential Juan Soto trade. Martino added that the Padres are looking for one of Jason Dominguez and Anthony Volpe and one of Clark Schmidt or Michael King in the deal. The Padres are also reportedly interested in top pitching prospects in Drew Thorpe, along with Will Warren and Chase Hampton, both of which the New York Yankees believe they're MLB ready. New York Post MLB insider John Heyman reports that he believes the Yankees will try to do the deal without Dominguez or Volpe, saying they are too talented to give up for a potential one-year rental. The Yankees should have been looking for a left-handed power bat for many, many years. And this has been a huge problem for the New York Yankees, and really on the reasons why Brian Cashman and might not have a job at the end of this year. Yankee Stadium is a left batting ballpark. It's four power left bats. I don't think the Padres are going to get back what they gave up to get him. Not even close. Okay? We don't even know if the, any of those players are going to turn out to be anything. When you look at Jason Dominguez, before he got hurt, before he tore his UCL this year, he was on his way. He looked pretty good. He was hitting the ball against the Astros, which he was the only Yankee hitting against the Astros. The Yankees have had problems against the Astros pitching for years. Dominguez was actually hitting the ball. Anthony Volpe, who wins a gold glove, pretty good power hitter at the shortstop position, a very unique player who can steal 30 bases a year. The Yankees haven't had a player like this since Derek Jeter, and this kid has more power than Derek Jeter. Now, could he hit for average? Even if they add Juan Soto, are they a playoff contending team? Is Juan Soto going to take them to the top? When you look at their division, there are a lot of questions. Now, Tampa is looking to trade maybe one or two of their stars this offseason, but whenever they trade one or two of their stars, they bring in great young talent that turn into stars. What have the Yankees done over the last couple of years? They bring in old stars that absolutely suck in Yankee State. They're not the same players, a.k.a. Donaldson. He didn't work out for the New York Yankees after trading Gary Sanchez to the Twins for him. Juan Soto, are you willing to trade away a Jason Dominguez or an Anthony Volpe or a Clark Schmidt or a Michael King? I wouldn't trade any one of those guys, especially when you're hearing Scott Boris say that his client is going to free agency. So you could lose him in free agency. So you're going to give up your four best young prospects that could be stars. I would say Anthony Volpe, Jason Dominguez, and Michael King are up-and-coming good young players. I don't know about Clark Schmidt. He's a good pitcher. He's on and off. I don't know if he's a a relief pitcher or he's a starting pitcher. Those three guys, I would never trade. I would never trade a big piece like that for a guy you're not going to be able to keep. I would try to avoid trading King at all costs too because we know King has been good in every role for the Yankees. Middle and back end starter or a relief pitcher that can go long, a relief pitcher that can close. I would try to not trade him at all costs if you can, especially since the Padres are interested in a lot of these other pitchers. This report even hurts the Padres even more because they were already dealing with the financial issues as it was. Now, you're dealing with Scott Boris saying, Juan Soto's gonna go chase a $500 million contract in free agency. That's already gonna diminish the value even more for the Padres, who are in stuck with these other contracts. I was thinking the Padres might even try to make a trade for MLB players that could help them win now. More pitching depth, because they really need pitching depth, and maybe some other veteran depth hitters. Now, I don't know if they're gonna be able to get that, unless maybe they negotiate with the Blue Jays. I think you guys are delusional. You're talking about really? a 25-year-old kid who's amazing, who's been an MVP, who terrorizes the league. Boris He's never won 
won an MVP. In the World Series. Yeah. The biggest stage. He's 25 years old. He's a left-handing, hitting power guy. And you're worried about fringe starters? Really? F- fringe starters? Dominguez is a fringe starter? No, we're talking about Michael King. Oh, Michael King is a good player. He's okay. He, when he started at he's the end okay. of the season, actually he really, okay. really good. Okay. He's got great stuff. Consistency is key. He's never been consistent. They're talking Come about on. a 25-year-old future Hall of Fame all-star MVP. Oh, hold on caliber. a second. We, you're, you're saying a future Hall of Famer. He hasn't done anything yet except winning World Series. That was the he one year. No, he really His hasn't. numbers are not. No, he went to the okay. Padres. Look at the team that he has around him. Look at the talent he has around him. You should be a World Series championship team every single year. You couldn't even make the playoffs. So you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me, Juan Soto, he's a that's, great player. He had 30 home runs. Baseball is not an Look individual Look at the team, sport. Mike. The team is dysfunctional, but it has nothing to do about Juan Soto. And it could have something to do with the trade value that the team will get back, though, because they're trying everything to shed payroll. That's they're a desperate. whole different ballgame, but you're talking about acquiring a 25-year-old, and you're talking about, well, I'm not going to give him because he's going to be a rental. And you don't get him. Juan Soto can easily shift the balance in that Yankee lineup. But There's from a baseball no question. standpoint, he could do that. But here's the problem. And that's the question. Are you going so to keep what's the answer? $500 million, that's one. Number two, are you going to be able to keep him at the end of the season? If you're going to trade away Michael King, who, by the way, his ERA last year was a 2.75 as okay. a starter. And his whip was close to one. This guy could be a dominant starter. He could be your third or even second guy. He could be your number Hold one on. in the okay. future. I want to ask you, so you're telling me you're going to hold back trading for Juan Soto if over, over to... a guy named Michael King? You're not just giving up Michael King. They want at least two of those guys. They want two top 100 prospects. They want at least two of those guys and maybe one of the other pitching prospects that they have. You're going to give up Dominguez or Volpe or Michael King or Clark Schmidt? If you want Clark Schmidt, I'll give up Clark Schmidt and the two young pitching prospects. I want to ask you right now. King, Schmidt, and Dominguez for Soto. Done. No questions asked. You're not keeping him next year. He's already said that he's going to free agency. agency. So guess what? You can't pay him? Or you're just not inclined that Steinbrenner is going to shell out $500 million No, I think Steinbrenner will, but that doesn't mean he's going to take it. What about the Mets? What up if, if Steve Cohen says you're giving him 500? I'll give him 550. And that's the problem. You're giving away top prospects. You're giving up your so, best prospects. And you're taking a chance with Juan Soto. Every Do, team will be doing it. I don't think so. You but haven't heard the Mets offer they don't any need of their to. Top pro- They're not going to because they know he's going to go to free agency. Exactly. So why should the Yankees do that? Because you need him on your team to have him make a decision of possibly staying and telling Boris if it's only a difference of maybe 25, 50 million, I'll stay here. Every other team that doesn't have that legitimate shot of maybe signing him needs to bring him in to have that shot of resigning him. Come on. You know Scott Boris. We all know Scott Boris. He's not going to sit there and say, hey, you know what? We'll spin the wheel, make the deal. We'll, we'll cut 30 million because you're the Yankees. He's not doing that. He's going to try to draw as much possible money. Look at Pete Alonso right now. The Mets are thinking about trading him because they don't want to pay him $300 million. And I wouldn't either. That's what Scott Boris does. He likes to draw as much possible money he can get out for that player. He's do it for for. So the Yankees are going to give up a guy that you have control over and Dominguez, who's 21 years old. Don't okay. even talk You're about gonna... Dominguez being 21 because Juan Soto is 25. That's fine. He's already you more have accomplished in five years than that kid will ever probably be. How do you know? This guy was one of the best young prospects when the Yankees signed him. Juan good, Soto good. came in the league. Juan Soto, destroyed. there's no guarantee that Juan Soto is going to sign a contract if the Yankees offer it at the end of the season. So why should the Yankees give away their three best young players that they have right now? Even Anthony Volpe. This guy could be a star. I wouldn't give up Anthony because you don't really have much behind him. But why would you give up Jason Dominguez? How many center fielders that is a five-tool player, he can hit lefty and righty and do the things that he does in the league? How many players could do that? There's not many. Okay, so why would you give that up? if you know you have a 25 future Hall of Famer. That's what you think. That doesn't mean anything. Everybody keeps talking about Machado 
Trump be Machado's going to be a Hall of Famer. Really? How do you figure? How many good years does Machado have left? A good seven? No way. No? He's, no You don't way. think so. And Nolan Arenado, he's as good as any third baseman we've seen in a very long time. Is he a Hall of Famer? Right now? No. 286, 325 no. home runs, 1,061 RBIs, 343 on base percentage. No, that's not a Hall of Fame number. He's not the rigid standards of the Hall of Fame. And it looks like Arenado's numbers are all ahead of Machado, and they came up about the same time. Both Machado them, is not a Hall of Famer bo- yet, and either them, is Nolan Arenado. Yeah, both of them probably need two or three more years. And more than that. Mike Trout, 301, 368 home runs, 940 RBIs, but he also has 206 <laughs> stolen bases. That guy misses almost 50 games a season, and he has those kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. That is a Hall of Famer. Bryce Harper's His peak with the Phillies That is amazing. a Hall of Famer. Right. Nolan Arenado, he's a great defensive player. He is. He's fantastic. He's a good hitter. He also played in Colorado. And look at him on St. Louis. He had one good year in St. Louis. How about Paul Goldschmidt? Paul's a Hall of Famer. Well, he's also 36 years old. Okay, so but I'm just time. saying. He's had more time but, in but the Paul, league to put up numbers to where it took, you're automatically anointing that took, Arenado is done at 31. It took Paul Goldschmidt a little while to be to Him develop. and Arenado are kind of similar, but Goldschmidt has a much better on base percentage, 388. And, also and he's a lot the older. Bases too, so. mm-hmm. he, it took Goldschmidt a little bit longer to develop. It took him till he was like 28, until he really started putting up those numbers. The Mets have no chance of getting him. That's why they went after Savarino. And I've been saying that, that for one. over a year. I've been saying that you watch. Savarino will be dropped by the Yankees and the Mets will sign him. And everybody looked at me. Why would they want him? I don't like the move, but why, you're, why, you're, why would you write their pattern? And I said, you watch. And by the way, Savarino will have a great season. He will win 15 games for the New York Mets and he'll be one of their better pitchers. Mark my words. Book it. Team, book I don't it. think 15 Close games. to 15 games. He will have an ERA around 310 and he will have 200 and some ice strikeouts if he stays healthy. I'm telling you right now, Luis Savarino will flourish in City Field. And the Mets will sign him after that. They'll give him an extension. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on the Weekend Crunch or the Sports Loudmouth, we will be talking to the founder of Pitcher List, our friend Nick Pollock, here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday, but it's usually now at 10.30. But if it's not an Islander hockey game, you can be listening to our show every single Saturday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, which airs every Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to check out our local listings is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on the Weekend Crunch, the the one, the only, the founder of the pitcher's list. The one, the greatest, the smartest, the baseball icon himself. I know he's smiling right now. Nick Pollock. Nick, what's up, man? What is happening? How are you guys doing tonight? I'll tell you this, man. You've got a great radio voice here. You have a soundproof ah. studio. It's beautiful. And it's blue. That's what happens when you have a rent-stabilized apartment in Brooklyn. You're from New York. Born come to us here, man. You haven't come to our studio? You haven't come to I haven't been much. invited. What's going on? Oh, well, listen. How you're going to be invited? Where in Brooklyn? <laughs> Park Slope. I know where Park Slope is. I went to school off of Coney Island Avenue. Get out of here. Yes, what I about? did. Uh, right off of Avenue U. It was all boys school. Got kicked out of public huh? school. See, yeah. that tells it all right there. Oh, what can I say? Well, 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 first of all, story. first of all, right across the street was an all-girls school. Shut your mouth, you idiot. 
Maybe and he thought it was an all-girls school. It was an all-girls school. Stop it, Mike. I'm not the one shoving <laughs> Orioles up somebody's ass. Please. Anyways, Nick, Nick, we're very happy to have you on. You've done so many good things when it comes to baseball, and you wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about what started you when it came to baseball. What made you become a writer for baseball? I had a job that allowed me to do anything I wanted at home part-time. So I used to pitch in college. I was a travel baseball coach. I gave pitching lessons and everything. I came up with an idea because I'm a giant nerd making a gift database for every single pitch in the majors. So you can actually like look up Scherzer's fastball, DeGrom slider, all that kind of stuff and actually see it back in 2014. And then I just enjoyed writing about pitching because this is the only thing in the sport I care about. And I've been doing that for 10 years now because I've had all these I'm glad you brought that up. I have a question. Is Michael King a Cy Young candidate? No. Nobody Thank said you. that. Is that it? The no. only thing Nick, he's an idiot. Nick, he's an idiot. He's not good. When the Yankees brought him in as a starter, was he not good? Yeah. Of course he was good, yeah. This is my argument right now. You look at Juan Soto, and the Yankees are in talks for Juan Soto. Would you trade away Dominguez and Michael King and maybe no. another pitching prospect when you're renting him? Would you do that? Not a chance. Maybe Nick has I to mean, start working for the Yankees analytics department. these like, major prospects that are going to be part of the organization for a while for one year of Soto? I love Soto. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Look at the trade last year that the Nationals did with Soto and the prospects that you just named, Dominguez, are you joking? Mm. Who will return in 2024? Because remember, Tommy John for a hitter, completely different than it is for a pitcher. He's still absurdly young. They call him the Martian for a reason. Now that he got Tommy John, oh, he's nothing now? No, we still have all these years of control of him. And of course, Michael King as well. No, no, no. That is not the deal we make for one year of a rental of Juan Soto. Not a chance. You should work in the Yankees analytics department. They've been criticized all <laughs> I, well, I know the people there. Well, maybe we need to hook you up. They're <laughs> not making also- that deal. I don't know where you would hurt here that they're doing that. They're well, not. first of all, I understand why everybody, they love Juan Soto. He's a great hitter, and he's done wonders as a young player in the playoffs. He wins an MVP, wins a World Series. Good for him. And his numbers are fantastic, and he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. We have seen this before. The Yankees have made moves like this before, and it's failed. Now, I'm not saying those prospects were any good when the Yankees traded them, because they usually aren't, but Dominguez is a different guy. Michael King, this guy was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. They moved him into the rotation, and he has a 2.75 how many pitchers this year were pitching under three as a starting pitcher? You're asking the wrong guy. I know, and I'm not talking I, about you. Let me tell you right now, my whole shtick is talking about the actual quality of pitchers, and I'm not going to use ERA as a way to say what quality pitcher they are. That said, Michael King's great. Fantastic slider. The way they uses both his sinker and his fastball, his four-seamer is perfect. That's how you should do it. He also has a change of the when it kicks in is amazing as well. Born and raised a Yankee fan because I want to be happy in life growing <laughs> up in Brooklyn. I'm so sorry for you guys over there with the city field behind you, but that's not my life. Okay? I'm a Yankee I'm fan too, buddy. What I see is we've had history of moving guys who were so good in the pen to the rotation and it not working out. The first shirt I ever bought myself was Jabba Chamberlain. Oh, okay. Who can it's have him on the show next week? guarantee the transition. With King, it does look like it should work. The Yankees need that right now. You have Cole. I actually am a believer in both Cortez and Rodon for the year ahead. I think we're just completely reacting to one season of injuries and just acting like that's it forever. And I love that's you. Not the case. I love you. You are fantastic. I love you. And I'm going to read even more stuff by you because me and you are pals now. Because <laughs> I have been telling people Carlos Rodon was not healthy this year. He was never healthy. He had an obligation because he got a big contract to come back this year. He was a shell of himself. This guy is one of the best power left-handed pitchers in baseball. His fastball, it was the best in baseball for three years. Now all of a sudden everybody says oh he stinks. It was a bad contract. I mean the Yankees got to deal with him. I'm not going to throw away of all of last year because that is evidence of like hey he tried to come back his fastball was worse. It was mm-hmm. only good for the two starts when he was at 96 miles per hour with it and then it dropped down to 94. That is a little bit worrisome. He also has back issues not just the shoulder. But yeah as you said two years of just dominating with that four seamer finally showing up with velocity once again. That really should repeat and hopefully he does have a healthy offseason and looks good. I'm not ready to just give up and say this is the worst contract that has 
Cashman has ever made. I mean, Ellsbury for me is still just <laughs> haunting me. But as far as Cortez go, I think just because he was throwing 92 or something, I was not a bad fastball. Now that's actually a phenomenal fastball for what it does. We've seen lower velocity four seamers act like his does and have success for a long time. That should happen with Cortez. So I like our rotation right now. If we add like Yamamoto, oh my gosh. That would be and scary. And that's going to be everything that we want that to be. Then you can deal Clark Schmidt away. I think that's perfect. I don't actually see Clark Schmidt as a long-term Either do I. a guy for inside this rotation. I think he overperformed a little bit last year. He's someone that really relies on a cutter slider curve and the fastball is not really that good. And he starts to throw less of that sinker, but there really isn't enough, I think, in those secondaries to really be an exceptional starter. So he's fine in the majors. Send him off to San Diego. They need something now. We get soda for that. I don't want to deal away Torres necessarily. We need offense. We can't get rid of our most consistent bat right now. So we need him for this year to stay competitive. Deal Peraza, someone else. We clearly don't care about him for whatever reason. So fine, let someone else actually do something with him. This is like the old Clint Frazier and Duhar thing. He's like <laughs> Schmidt and Peraza now. Maybe Cabrera in there too. Hopefully we get something out of this, but I have to think that the Yankees are going to get this done without Dominguez and without King, without Volpe, without Torres being involved. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it happen. I know it will. No worries. So there are a lot of pitchers on the trade market recently too. We've heard Dylan Sees. We've heard Shane Bieber. Yeah, now any of them in your advanced metrics or any <laughs> other free agents that are still available worth signing at the value that they're yeah. projected? Um, so when I say like advanced metrics and all that kind of stuff, it's actually all stuff that you guys already talk about. We just have a number for it. When I say like his fastball is really good, like you know this. It's because his fastball misses bats upstairs or something like that. We <laughs> just have all these fancy numbers to say like, oh no, it's because it has just this much induced vertical break or something. And you're like, shut it off, Nick. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> it's all it's saying is it's just that it stays up longer. It looks like it's going to drop and it doesn't. That's good. It's going to miss bats. So the guy that actually I think should be dealt and I'd be surprised if we don't really see a team be aggressive this offseason is Mitch Keller uh, okay. with the Pirates. The Pirates are not going to have a good rotation this year. Can you guys name the number two starter in the Pirates right now? Probably no, like, OVA. You know, Tommy John. I didn't even know that. No one knows. So there's no way. Like, why would you hold on to Keller? He's going to be a free agent in two years. This is half of his value left is just wasting away in Pittsburgh. It's going to be like Musgrove and Cole before he's going to get <laughs> dealt to somewhere else and knows how to take advantage of his really good rising fastball. Really good cutter as well. Amazing sweeper. I think the Yankees would kill to have someone like that in the rotation. Mitch Keller is the guy you want to trade for. And the Yankees and the Pirates have a fantastic history trading between them. So I think that's the one. Do not go after Dylan Cease. He has one good pitch. Now that's a slider. And even that kind of let him down last year. He has never been a guy that's consistent with his command. Even in 2022, Dylan Cease was good for like two and a half months. And then the rest of the season, he had like a 22, 23% strikeout rate. Not the 30, 35% that you know. And that whole season gets clumped in with that first couple months. So and Shane Bieber's going down, not up. He's lost velocity on his fastball, his slider, and his curveball. The things that you think about with Shane Bieber, we generally say like 25% strikeout rate is where you get like a strikeout in an inning. And that's where you get like your 200 strikeout guys or the guys who go 200 in innings or something like that. That's what he did in 2022. Last year, Shane Bieber had a 20% strikeout rate. That's like the same as Cal Hendricks. Actually, Kyle Hendricks had it higher last year. That is not good. That is not the Shane Bieber you know. Slider and curveball don't miss bats anymore. Fastball is getting worse. It's getting crushed more. Don't go after them. He just sold me. I don't want Shane Bieber. Yeah, <laughs> you're trying to trade him to the Mets. I'd rather than do a trade like that, I'll yeah, be honest with you. Probably would. We are talking to the founder of Pitchers List, Nick Pollock. You're a Yankee fan, and there's a lot of questions right now. Who's going to take over Brian Cashman? Win, lose, or draw this year, Brian Cashman's out. I do not believe Why? he's coming back. I see the Yankees moving elsewhere. I am amazed. I so like amazed. Brian Cashman. We got 
to direct our vitriol somewhere. We're upset. I get this. I'm not you upset. Know? I want to keep Brian Cashman, well, but I, mean, I don't I'm think upset. they're going to keep I've been in this business now for a decade, and I have not seen the Yankees in the World Series. I want that in my life, right? I can actually, like, do things now, and I can't enjoy this. This is not the life I grew up with. We were supposed to be the one that's the most hated. How dare the Astros become the most hated team? Now, that's supposed to be us, okay? <laughs> you guys didn't cheat yet, so clearly that's right? not the case. Why are we cheating? Here's the craziest thing to me, and Zach Britton actually mentioned this, and I thought this was fantastic. Look at how much we failed last year. We had Judge hurt. We had Cortez hurt. We had run on hurt. We did not put together an offense that was good. We screwed up with Rizzo in such a big way. Domingo Herman is a horrible human. All of this stuff. And we still were a winning ball club. We still had a winning record. Do you know how many teams would love to have a, a an organization that refuses to have losing records? No team is as, as consistent as we are. And it's not because we have the highest payroll. We don't. It's not because we have the greatest analytics department. We actually don't. It's because we have Cashman at the top of it. And what I think the actual problem is, higher than him is Hal. He just won't spend the contracts they used to, which drives me nuts. We have to be that team. It's New York. We have to be those guys. And the other aspect is that the communication between Cashman and to the players is not good. And something that I do a lot and I think is so important, I was talking about before about like what makes a guy good, advanced metrics, all this kind of stuff. These words, it's like a taboo almost. I say analytics. What does that mean? Or advanced metrics. Oh, what are the things that you're going to tell me that I should care about that I don't care about, right? I get that. In actuality, it's just more information. David Cohn talks about this all the time. It's not like this little thing, whatever, that we're supposed to care about. It's like, no, just tell me, is my fastball good or not? Well, it misses more bats or so when you throw it over here. That's super good information. It's nothing that advanced. I think there's a big disconnect with a lot of players. Like, I only do what I do well. And if they just kind of had different conversations about like, I'm trying to help you out the most possible. Like here, this is what he's going to throw you. You're not good at this. I want to help you, but you're not good at this. Let's try and be ready for that. That's the conversation that they should be having. Our teams are really good at that. And I don't think the Yankees are good at that. Him going to the GM meetings and the winter meetings and taking shots at John Carlos Stanton, taking shots at every single one of the players. Boy, that that's doesn't, stupid. I have no idea what he was thinking. That tells me that he believes something is going on with the organization mm. and maybe they're swaying towards another way. Here's my question for you. Ng became available and there were quite a few teams that wanted to interview her for their GM job, but she would not even talk to anybody. I've called this and I'm going to call it. If Brian Cashman steps down or the Yankees decide to part ways with Brian Cashman, if it happens, are you not to believe that Ng is not going to get that job? 100%. She's a Yankee person. She's been with the organization for years. She's been under Brian Cashman. She's successful as a GM over there with the Marlins. I think she's the next Yankee GM. Nothing would make me prouder, honestly, as a Yankee fan, having as a GM. I mean, I think it's such an important thing to have someone fantastic when she became the first female GM, but to do it for the Yankees would be such a fantastic thing and just kind of promote that. I just honestly don't think that Cashman's going to step down. I don't see why. The second that Cashman is removed, if you're saying it's inevitability, every single other organization is picking up. Oh, 100%. I believe um, it. Yeah. He is just this good at it. I do think there are some things that have happened over the years that have been flaws and are blind spots. One in particular is kind of grasping. For example, there's a thing called WRC Plus. And all that just tries to do is just kind of put it's a general saying like, look, generally you're just good offensively as a player. But the thing is, you can't just do that. You have to ensure that you don't have consistent weaknesses in a lineup. So for example, watching Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Gary Sanchez all swing and miss at sliders down and away consistently drove me insane. And because on paper, they all have amazing skill sets that are better than the average player, but you have to ensure that you don't have the same weakness over and over again. And I think Cashman is fixing that. And I think he is making uh, different decisions because of it, which is good. We're so angry. I get it. But man, it's not Cashman's fault. It's not Boone's fault. You know, on the number one thing of a manager, the best thing to be as a manager, it's not to be a guru with analytics. It's not to be the greatest in-game manager. 
you just got to be above a certain bar to not screw up like Tony La Russa with a fan <laughs> shouting, hey, you should probably have a pinch runner at first base on the third pitch in that bat. All you need to do is win over the players, inspire the players to be the best that they can be. Seriously, it's the number one thing that a coach needs to do in the major leagues is inspire that team and have them come to every game focused and giving as much energy as possible. That's what you see in the playoffs a lot. You see a lot of teams that did not perform at this level throughout the entire year. And then all of a sudden when it matters, they can come together and actually have that energy. And you need a coach that can get that 162 games of the year. Boone is doing that. Savage is in the box. He does that stuff for his players. I think he's great. Nick, you're not selling me. I've stuck up for Aaron Boone for years. Everybody, we've had people on our network telling me he stinks, he's terrible. Meanwhile, I say this to Yankee fans. How many managers in a five-year span has been more successful than Aaron Boone. I'm not talking well, about championship wins to losses. All that matters is That's, wins to losses. Wins to so losses. Are you upset at Boone or are you upset at Cashman? I'm not upset at any of them. I think the Yankee fans are going to make Hal Steinbrenner make a decision. And I think that if Brian Cashman's out, so will be Aaron. I've been saying this. Mark DeRosa is a guy that I love. I would mm-hmm. love him. I've been speaking so highly of him for the last two years. He interviewed for the Yankee job before they gave it to Aaron Boone. I think he's going to be a good manager in the league. I can't believe that nobody else has really looked at him and decided to take him in as a manager. I think he's sensational. Sure. So you're looking at how to make a decision. You know what the decision should be? Someone else should own this team. Well, that's not going to happen. Who would have thought that Mark Cuban was going to sell his stakes of the Mavericks? I did not. Maybe James Dolan could go by the Yankees. $3.5 <laughs> billion? Don't you dare bring that on. Errol, how nice would it have been growing up in a city having a team named the New York Errols? Oh, I love okay. this. I would love it. I know. This That'd is how I feel about it. the Knicks. I can't believe Dolan is doing this to me. How could he? I just want the Knicks are champions. Like, I need to hear what happened with him there. Ears. I'm a huge sport sports fan for years and everybody asked me if you were to pick one of your teams to win a championship right now what team would it be and it's always been since I was a kid nope it's the New York Knicks it's been the New York Knicks I'm a baseball guy through and through I'm a baseball guy but the Yankees win I mean I haven't for 14 years listen man how old are you Nick how old do you think I am 32 I'll guess 34 man thank you so much 35 what are you looking at (laughs) you can't talk about the Knicks when the Celtics run everything oh stop they haven't won anything they haven't won anything you guys aren't talking about football Okay. They haven't I won anything. Whatsoever. Keep talking about the Celtics. Let's see them win this year with the don't, talent don't that they talk have. About the Knicks. Yeah, well, let me there tell you something. They're not beating Denver, even if they come out of the East. The Celtics might come out of the East. I would predict that they are. I think are. they will, too. Yeah. <laughs> if they stay healthy, they will. They're not beating Denver. This guy was my partner for years. We started this network in 2012. We were one of the first digital profile sports networks in the country. When it comes to digital profile radio, we're the best in the business. I don't care what anybody says. Sound, professionalism, everything. We're crazy. We're nuts. We entertain. We do not now and forever stick Orioles in anybody's ass. Only this guy, not me. He misses the legend. I do not miss the legend, but it is a legend, Nick. This guy has an ability of doing some crazy, creepy things, man. Yeah, I don't want to hear any of it, honestly. <laughs> I don't either. I don't even know the brand of pitcher list at all. They call me G-rated Nick Pollard. I'm you're not, you're not PG no Punk? Garrity, not being the barstool mentality whatsoever. I got you. We are the in place of positivity and inclusiveness without vulgarity. So I'm good. I love you, man. We got to follow each other. My That's Twitter. so cute. I'll follow you. I would love for you to come into the studio, and I'd love to do a live show with you. I think it'll yeah, be great. great. All right, so my son's listening, so we got to turn it down to PG uh, again. All right. We got to do PG Punk again. PG Punk. I mean, as long as you're not calling me your son, that's good then. No, you're not. No, no. I'm only six years older than you, buddy. Everyone right. that's younger than him is considered a baby. You are a baby. You're Let's a baby. Keep it that way me. forever. It's good. It's fine. It's life. You could I mean, be my son from another mother. No. Oh, oh, God. Oh, and you officially went there. Uh, listen, man. Doing? There's a lot of questions with that. When you talk about he's got hoes in different area codes, he does. Bring us back here. Luis Severino, hmm? how are we feeling about this?
this to the Mets. Indifferent. Just so you know, about a year and a half ago, I said that the Yankees are not re-signing him and he will sign with the Mets. And I'm going to say this. Luis Savarino will win between 13 and 15 games this year. His ERA will be closer to 3.20. I think he has over 175 to 200 strikeouts. I think he has a good season. I like him, like, velocity-wise. I don't really like his secondary pitches. One year, I'm okay with it. I'm kind of indifferent. I'm hoping the Mets do a lot more than just Severino, though. I love pitching. All I do is I I look at actual arsenal, and I break down Mm -hmm. individual pitch types and everything like that. It's the best way to understand a player. Not just to say he has a strikeout rate. Like, no, it's because the slider is just so good that's how he gets the strikeouts or something. Then I see the slider go bad. And it's like, oh yeah, right. No more strikeouts. Check out Luis Severino. And you'll see that his slider and changeup were just an atrocity. Yeah. This past season. Uh-huh. Absolutely just what is going on with these pitches. When it comes to organizations that I would love for have Luis Severino to gone to, it's not the Mets where I don't trust them to say, hey, Severino, this was wrong with your with your slider. We're going to figure this out. If the Yankees couldn't do it, I don't think that the Mets are going to be able to. No, the Mets didn't do it and with any of their young pitchers. No. <laughs> Severino has a long history of health problems. To suggest that he's going to get that many strikeouts and that many wins is not even about the quality. It's just about the longevity. Now, one year at 13 million sure what the heck that's uh, about one war or so which is generally fine if you pitch enough games 25 games you're gonna be better than 13 million Luis Severino yeah I was a little disappointed just because I wanted to see him go and like prosper I don't think it's gonna happen on the other side of the city so Nick, I'm sorry I've been the biggest supporter of Luis Severino so for a while. have I and I still think he has something left I oh. do too but I don't think it's the Mets who are gonna unlock it mm. I want him to go to LA the Dodgers mm. okay yeah that's what I want uh, yeah I could definitely see that because I was disappointed with a lot of his offspeed pitches and some of his other stuff too and I feel like he's turning into a one pitch pitcher which happened with Syndergaard too. Syndergaard only threw his fastball and he's ruined his career. I remember talking to someone I was saying that yeah he slows down his mechanics a little bit when he throws the secondaries and he's had that issue in the hmm. past. There might be something there about like why those secondaries were worse is because he just telegraphed it a lot more than he used to. There might be something like that that the Mets like hey cool change that. Doubtful. I want him to do well. You know so I well. have a phrase I want every pitcher to be dope save for the ones that are just trash human. It's an I, asterisk guy that's going to get really fast. Are you trying to attack Max Scherzer? No, he's fantastic. Or Trevor he's Bauer. Fantastic. Him, yes. Not Scherzer. He could get nasty, man. I no, mean, no, no. He's not a trash human. He's actually a wonderful human. No, are Max Scherzer just Are you friendly sheets? with him? I haven't had a chance really to interact with him much, so I will be friendly with him. I imagine he'll be friendly with Max me. Max Scherzer just likes to cheat and put I, sticky stuff on I, his Well, hands. you're a pitching guy. That's why he'll be friendly with you. What do you have against uh, Scherzer? What's he done to you, Errol? Max Scherzer is not one of my favorite players. When I say like a trash human, that kind of thing, I mean I to those that have DV charges, oh. those who are clearly just been bad examples for everybody those that are not inclusive inside of our community all that kind of stuff those are the ones i'm like absolutely get out of here i don't want to talk about that person again max scherzer is not one of those so you're not a very close friend of domingo Herman. absolutely not <laughs> how about a role to chapman nope if you want to go through all the ones that i don't want to talk to which you already know we can, but... i'm just throwing yeah. you curveballs hopefully you catch him okay well you probably he'll always. have the metric on his own curveball he has so a better a chance. chance of catching it actually than i, I had the best curveball in high school this is what's got me to college 12 to 6 or 6 to 12 at a lower arm angle so i had more of that what they call a slurve now which i still think yeah, is diagonal slurve. Break. It's just so hard to hit. A different angle. i've never seen a slurve ball i was playing in a men's league in nassau county this guy was a semi-pro baseball player and this guy was on the mound everybody keeps telling me watch out for the slurve i was like
like, I've never seen a slurve in my so life. So they come out your, your shoulder and came oh, back over dude, the plate? it looked like a curveball, and then it, all of a sudden yeah. it just, like, dipped. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I was like, what the hell is that? And I it would was throw them strikes. at the front shoulders of a lot of high school kids, and they would just always turn back, and it would just come back over. I did, like, Zito. I did it with my index finger. A lot of guys do oh. the pop the gun like that. Mm. I had the Zito one with the index finger. I was always about an index finger with it. And you just chop. All you got to do is just think of fastball and just chop to your ankles. If anybody could do it, uh, everybody would. They need all the metrics on your website. Yeah, they exactly. No, they just they need practice. You know, everything good is hard to do. So what you need to do is if time travel ever does exist, you would just have to go back in time with your website and track if your pet own pitches. mechanics back then, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> if they actually had the analytics those years, pictures would well, be yeah, completely the, the different. stuff to actually track what that we do now. Just even imagine. I didn't have a camera on my phone. Now they have Rapsodo stuff, which is just incredible frames per second. It can actually trace the entire spin rates and everything. It's incredible. Could I just saw a video out today, Trey Athletics working with Andre Palante of the Cardinals. Yes. It's amazing. It is my dream. I've done this with guys before, but like I've had to like wait a couple days until they tell me something back. Like in the moment, be like, cool. Instead, just move your hand like this. How does that look? What about this and that? Man, if I had that, I would still not make it, but still it would be closer. It's I'd be closer, a little bit closer. A little closer, a tiny bit. Just a little but bit. If they had the analytics that time do you know how even better greg maddox would have been who would have thought that i loved greg maddox the thing about maddox too is that he actually understands sequencing which i think is kind of a lost thing still we try to understand what sequencing is based on like hitter tendencies or like how they performed against a certain pitch before and we avoid that like kind of think of like playing mlb the show Mm. where you have the hot and cold zones. That's not how you're supposed to sequence because that's like a small sample. You're not going to see the same exact pitch. I don't throw the same curveball as this other guy. Why are you going to equate those two? But Maddox understood, oh no, there's body language. There are things that the batter tells you that they're looking for that, and oh man, could he completely wreck you with it. No, a center card still doesn't know how to sequence. He has five pitches and only throws his fastball. I wonder if I had a sequence of beating somebody up, just looking at him and saying, okay, he's not expecting my right. I'm going to throw my left. I'm a lucky guy, Errol. I've never been in a fist fight and I never think (laughs) I will. I've been in a lot of fights, okay? So I I, I was a kid that liked to throw my hands. I boxed and I did mixed martial arts for many years. I I like to compete. Mm -hmm. It's an art. Well, that's a different thing if you're fighting in an actual regulated way. That's completely different. Well, define regulated. I'm not going to bite you or something like that. I mean, that's happened in regulating fighting, hasn't it? Yeah, especially with girls. Anyways, Nick, we love you, man. Well, that's it? 30 minutes, man. I'm messing around with you. I won't bite so quick. That shows you that you're having fun and we had a lot of fun with you, man. You're fantastic. Check out Nick. How do they find you on social media? Yeah, just add PitcherList. No S, no the, just PitcherList. Go to our website. We do a ton of baseball stuff. Check out our player pages. Honestly, we're the only one that has fully licensed StackCast data, so it's actually good stuff. It teaches you too. MLB averages and percentiles, so you know, like, this is a good stat or a bad stat. School tips for everything if you're confused. You can also see a gif of every pitch that they throw. So you're like, what is this one? Is it a fastball or a slider? What does it look like? You actually see it inside of the page. So go wow. check it out, pitcherless.com. That's really cool. That is really cool. We really appreciate your time. As always, we'll be in touch. Keep up the good work, bud. Yeah, great hanging out with you guys. Thanks so much for the invite. The great Nick Pollock, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, Nick did not want to come off. He didn't want to leave. We draw him in, and he just wanted to keep talking baseball with us. But thank you to Nick for joining us. He's fantastic. We really, really appreciate him. Thank you to Mikey C. as well for joining us in the interview as well. He didn't want to leave, and he doesn't want Brian Cashman to leave the Yankees. One of the few Yankee fans that think that way at this point. Not that I want Brian Cashman to leave. 
I'm not turning my back on Brian Cashman. I just think that Brian Cashman has made it a point that this might be his last tread when it comes to being the GM for the New York Yankees. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Yankees if they decide to part ways with Brian Cashman. If they keep Brian Cashman, I'm not going to be upset. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into some Rangers, Islanders, Devils, and ladies and gentlemen, Knicks and Nets updates here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. If you've never heard of the Sports Lamouts, shame on you. Check us out every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Our show is live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time LA on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio. Network. Let's get into it with the New York Islanders. Islander fans, you cannot be happy with what the Islanders have done in the third period. The Islanders are the worst third period overtime team in the NHL, but they're putting up the points. They're not far behind from the Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. Right now, are sitting pretty at two and three. Even though the Rangers are as hot as any team in hockey, twenty-one games, sixteen wins, four losses, with thirty-three points, and playing just ridiculous hockey. As a matter of fact, they're differential is plus 18, which is one of the best in the league. You should be happy that the Islanders are lurking at number two or three. Yeah, they're getting their enough offense in the last couple of weeks that have been sufficing with their really bad defense. Matthew Barzell, four goals at the end of last week, and then had three goals after that. Noah Dobson has been one of the better offensive defensemen in the NHL this season. Now, his defense, I think, still has to improve, but it's definitely better than it was last year when a lot of Islanders fans were saying that was a big issue in his development. But he's been one of the most well-rounded guy. Definitely could be one of those candidates to be an all-star for the Islanders. The thing is, they're getting now is some of the veterans are finally contributing a little bit. You're getting more, a lot more with Paul Mary. Anders Lee still's got to pick it up, though, and definitely that fourth line's got to pick it up. And Matthew Barzell has been pretty hot this week. He's putting the puck in the net. That's something that we want to see. And that first line is starting to pick up the pace. We need to see Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell play at the top of their game. And when you look at the Metropolitan Division, it's going to be close all season long. Besides the Rangers, who look like they're running away with the division, Carolina, Washington, the Islanders, Philadelphia, even New Jersey, and Pittsburgh are lurking within three three to four points. They're going to be fighting for that second spot, and it's not going to be easy in the Atlantic Division because you have Boston, Florida, Toronto, Detroit, and Tampa that have more points than any of the Islanders, Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Pittsburgh teams. So you're looking right now in the Eastern Conference, five teams coming out of the Atlantic Division and only three in the Metropolitan Division. So it's really the fight for those three spots because if you look at Boston, you look at Florida, Toronto, and even Detroit, who I think is a great young team, all the additions that they made, Patrick Kane now, and Tampa, I think all five of those teams are making the playoffs. All have very good offensive teams and great goaltending. Weird swing because we're used to the other way around in recent years. Last year was an even split, but it was always thought of as the Atlantic was top heavy. Boston, Toronto, and Tampa in some order, and like everyone else was really bad for a while. And the Metropolitan Division, yeah, the Capitals always made it, the Penguins always made it, but it was always what order was going to come in. And in the playoffs, it's a whole different story as you saw with the Islanders making it as a wild card to the Eastern Conference Finals a bunch. The Rangers right now look like they're running away. Now, they could go on a five or a six game losing streak and maybe Carolina takes over, maybe the Washington Capitals or maybe the New York Islanders if they can find a way to put the puck in the net. I know every Islander fan thinks that I'm picking on them. I am an Islander fan and I speak the truth. I'm not happy the way this team is playing right now. I love that they're fighting, their goaltenders are fighting. When your defense was one of the best defensive teams in the NHL for like four years with Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz gets let go and you bring in Lane Lambert, what happened to this defense? This was the number one defense, the number two defense in 
in the NHL, and now they're one of the worst defenses in the NHL. It doesn't make sense. Bottom five right now in terms of allowing high-quality scoring chances. They always have their goalies shelled forever. I mentioned on the pregame show, the Carolina Hurricanes game, between block shots and total shots made on goal, the Islanders got outshot 73-26 to in the game. That's not going to be sustainable at all. No, and the Rangers are playing fantastic hockey. They're putting the puck in the net. Lafreniere is one of the hottest young players in the league all of a sudden. We were speaking about, will the Rangers resign him? Will they give him an extension? What are they going to do with him? And they gave him a little bit of an extension, and he's starting to pick up his game. Peter Laviolette has been an absolute match made in heaven for the New York Rangers. They're getting great goaltending from Jonathan Quick. It gives Shesterkin a little bit of time to heal up and get better. You see how talented this team is, and Panarin is right now an MVP candidate. 31 points on the season, 12 goals, 19 assists for Panarin. His defense has gotten a little bit better from where it's been in the past, which has always been an issue for them in Laviolette's system. I also have to give Chris Drury a lot of credit, too. A lot of the ads that he's had in this free agency has been very good. Eric Gustafson, a veteran defenseman, has 15 points. He was never supposed to be this good offensively. They also brought in Blake Wheeler, who's 36 years old, but he's been actually good in the top six. I actually like that move. Yeah, and Will Cooley, another one, 21 games played, a guy that's been a healthy scratch on other teams he's played with. Nick Benino, a veteran guy that was a big part of the Penguins, mm-hmm. killed the Rangers in the playoffs for a while, but he's been great with block shots, one of the biggest ones in the league. Defensive forward, something that I've been stressing for the playoffs last year. Mika Zibanejad's turned his game around massively defensively. Mm-hmm. Lafreniere as well, like you were saying, eight goals already. The only one that's got to get it going still is Capo Caco, but he's found himself defensively. Maybe he's got to find it offensively, but that's really been the only flaw with the Rangers so far. Lafreniere is going to be explosive all season long in this Peter Laviolette offense. Capo Caco, I don't know what's going on with him. This is a guy that they extended about a year and a half ago, and he's really not producing. This guy was the number two pick right behind Jack Hughes. I was there at the draft in Vancouver, and I thought that this kid was going to be one of the better offensive young players in the league for many, many years to come. It just hasn't developed for him, and now you have Peter Laviolette, and he still hasn't figured it out. So this has been a problem for the New York Rangers. We were talking about Lafreniere last year, and now we're talking about Capocacco now. So hopefully the young kid picks it up. Yeah, and you also look at the Rangers overcoming the injury to Adam Fox defensively. Like, that is good if you could overcome it with the way they've been able to coach up these other players. Braden Schneider, who struggled at the beginning of the season, really playing well. I know a lot of fans are controversial with the Jacob Truba thing, and yes, I believe what Jacob Truba did was very dirty, and he definitely should have been suspended. But in terms of the actual production on the ice, he's been good. Zach Jones finding himself a little bit, who had to be sent down last year, and that's been a big key for the Rangers. In a year where Shesterkin really has not been the great Vezina Trophy-type goalie yet, he's battling injury, like you are saying, but 2.54 goals against average. 915 is a little down for his standards, and he's had some bad rebounds. And now, the New Jersey Devils. Jack Hughes is one of the hottest players in the league right now. 8 goals, 21 assists, and 29 points. He's played great hockey, fighting injury a little bit this season, but he's producing what we expected him to do this year and be that number one player for the New Jersey Devils. And they have a tremendous team. Nico Hirschier, Curtis Lazar. They're getting production in so many different ways for all these young players. Yeah, and they're getting a lot of good offensive depth, too, when you look at Jesper Bratt, who got a big contract, yep. has 25 points on the year. He's I mean, fantastic. Like, like Tyler Toffoli, too, who I always thought was very underrated with the LA Kings for a while. He did not get the contract in Vancouver, so the Devils bring him in. And even some of the production from their defense, obviously Dougie Hamilton had the big year last year, but still has 16 points this year. John Marino, who's not really known as an offensive defenseman, they got from the Penguins, has 10 points. Now, the Devils' raw defense still has to get better, but I'm curious to see now. They bring up Luke Hughes for a much longer term, and also they just called up the number two overall pick, Simone Nemec, who they drafted last year. Is that going to provide more speed for this defense? Because that's what the Devils need. They're right now winning on shootouts. They're right now winning in power plays, and they're climbing back in the division, as you Islanders fans all came back for three third-period goals. I can't but believe that. The Devils still have a lot of room to improve, but they definitely have the firepower to do it, and like you said, a metropolitan division that's been very mediocre outside of the Rangers. And Timo Meyer, I don't know what's going on with him. This guy is a real explosive offensive player, and so far this season, he has five goals and six assists and 11 points, but he has a minus 12, so he is a pretty good defensive offensive player this year, and he 
he's doing everything that you expect. He's hitting, he's strong, he's tough, and he puts his body in the game. Now, I want to see more from Timo Meyer. This guy could score 35, 40 goals this year. I'm very surprised that he has not really produced as much as we thought he was. Yeah, you always wonder off like a big contract right away. Sometimes you see players play down to their standards a little bit, but I don't think Timo Meyer is going to be that guy. He's always been a tough guy with hits, too. The goal scoring, I think, will go up. I think sometimes you bring in these other new guys to Foley, Halla, they've been able to rearrange different lines. I know some Devils fans have been critical of Lindy Ruff, but Lindy Ruff, I still think, is a good coach. I think mostly the Devils' problems are still with defense and goaltending. And a lot of people took shots at the New Jersey Devils when they gave Dougie Hamilton the money that they gave him, right. but he has been sensational. How many defensemen in the NHL has been as good as Dougie Hamilton? And the answer is, not many. He's been fantastic. I thought he was up for Norris Trophy last year. I thought he should have won last year. He was sensational. Five goals right now, 11 assists, 16 points, a minus eight. He's been everything and more for the New Jersey Devils. He's been a leader for this team, for some of the youngsters. He's taken his game to higher heights. Yeah, a guy that's been bumped around the league so much, too, which is surprising how well he played in Boston. Then he plays well in Calgary, Carolina. Like, this is a guy that's been around for whatever reason, up and down defensively throughout his career, but still leveraging this Devils defense, which still had not had the great depth. They've traded a couple pieces in the offseason, and they still have Brendan Smith on the team, which you Ranger fans know is not great defensively either, but still finding a little bit now recently. And you look at their goaltending, that's been the problem for the New Jersey Devils. It's always been the problem for the Devils. Vanacek has been their number one guy. He's 8-5-0, 3.49 goals against average, and a .879. That's not going to be enough. He needs to pick up his game. These Devil goaltenders need to pick up their game. You expect more from these guys, especially playing on a team this good. Yeah, this was the decision that the front office had to make in the offseason, too, because the Devils were also in on Connor Hellebuck and Carter Hart in trade potential. Connor Hellebuck is a big contract from Winnipeg, and he's having a great year, and Carter Hart's had a nice bounce-back season in Philly, so maybe they knew something, those other teams, but now the Devils have to find it with theirs. They're trying to figure out their number one goaltender, trying to figure out which one is going to take the bull by its horn. They have three quality goalies here that are pretty big, and they can stop the puck, and you have good defensive players. Luke Hughes looks like he's going to be a stud when he figures things out. Right now, he's three goals and 11 assists and 14 points. There's a Hughes that plays in Vancouver right now, and he knows a little bit about the defensive style of puck. I think one of the best defensemen in the league in Quinn Hughes. And then Luke is playing with his brother, Jack, over there in New Jersey. And I expect these kids, Jack Hughes and Luke Hughes, to really be the face of this organization moving forward. And I know you also mentioned the sports level. You think Quinn Hughes might go to the Devils down the road, too. I do. Absolutely. His mother, his father, his sister, they all moved to New Jersey. You have practically the whole Hughes family over there in New Jersey, and only one of them is in Vancouver on the other Mm -hmm. side of the world. So I do believe that when Quinn becomes available in free agency, he will probably flee and head over there to Jersey with his brothers. Yeah, and you look at the Devils, the way they're structured. They've always been known as a smaller speed team, but they're trying to still emphasize that to get their defense at least going because you want to be able to still skate if you're not going to be able to hit and block shots the same way. A lot of those guys they trade in the offseason, the veteran guys were those guys, and they're going to have to find that identity maybe back at the trade deadline. But right now, I like the fact that they're calling both him up, Hughes, the whole year, and then Nemec, the second overall pick of the draft. Oh, absolutely. It's been really, really fun. And the Metropolitan Division is going to be wide open for the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils. As far as the Knicks are concerned, there's nothing bad to say about the Knicks right now. Tom Thibodeau right now is up for Coach of the Year. I don't know how he transitioned this team from last year. I have been taking shots at Tom for the last past year and a half. I don't know what happened to the talent of this team and why this team hasn't really developed some of the youngsters. But this year, you're seeing Robinson start to play, Brunson, and all the talent that they have right now, besides Randall, actually <laughs> picking up their game. I love what I see with the New York Knicks. If they make a trade here and make a trade there and add maybe a superstar to this team, the Knicks are going to be very dangerous. This Eastern Conference is so wide open. I don't think Philadelphia is as good as their record. Milwaukee has no bench, and I don't think they're as good as their record. Orlando, I'm so surprised with Orlando. Yeah. They have some good young players. 
players. And I think Orlando's going to be sitting up top there for a very long time in the Eastern Conference this year. Orlando was, I think, a lot of what we thought of as the Sacramento Kings last year. Like, when were they finally get the young players to work? And Sacramento was number three seed in the Western Conference at the best offense in the NBA. And you're seeing that kind of thing with the Orlando Magic, who are going in on an eight-game winning streak now, number two, like you said, in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks right now, though, you have to be impressed. In terms of offensive and defensive efficiency ratings, they are 11th on offense and 4th on defense right now in the entire NBA. The only thing they're still trying to figure out is they don't really play at a big pace. They're right now last in pace of the NBA. You have to see if they can adjust all those faster teams, I wonder. Points per game, they're only ranked 26th in the NBA at 110.4, yeah. so they're not scoring a lot by a clip, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Second in the NBA, holding teams to 105.4. Yeah, and you look at some of the efficient field goal rankings. Outside of Julius Randle, it's 45.4, yikes. But Jalen Brunson, 55.7% efficient field goal rating. R.J. Barrett's at an even 50%, which is very impressive. <laughs> He's for, fantastic. For him, and Emmanuel Quickly, 52% effective field goal percentage on the year, and 15.7 points per game. A year that the Knicks are going to have to pay him. A big decision coming up on Quigley, what kind of role he's doing, and he's definitely showing he's worth that money. Oh, definitely. I think Emmanuel Quigley will be traded one way or another at the trade deadline. If Donovan Mitchell becomes available, this could be a chip to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Emmanuel Quigley, he's having a great season. He was a great find by the New York Knicks, but he wants to be paid Jalen Brunson type of money, more than Jalen Brunson. And if the Knicks are planning to bring in another star or maybe another two stars to play with a guy like Jalen Brunson, they're not going to be able to sign Emmanuel Quigley. Would you consider putting Quigley in the Mitchell deal if that's the case? Absolutely. They're going to have to. They're not going to have to give up much if they add Emmanuel Quigley because Emmanuel Quigley, if he plays Mitchell time, he can average about 24, 25 points a game. Besides the ball handling skills that Mitchell has, I don't know if Quigley necessarily has that to the same level. I think they're very similar types of players. Quigley, I think, is a better free throw shooter than Mitchell has been the last couple of years, really since he's coming into the league. And Cleveland now, in kind of the mediocre part of the Eastern Conference, too, definitely could consider it. I know you mentioned that you think he's going to end up a Nick very soon. No question. 10 and 9 are the Cavs right now. They're kind of stuck in the middle. Miami's right now running away with the sixth spot, and the Knicks are the five. Still very early in the season, still tough to tell, but the Cavs are not off to the start that they were expected to. And you see a backup point guard averaging 15.7 points per game and three rebounds and two assists per game, and he's only shooting 12 times a game, so he's very efficient, he's a good three-point shooter, and he's a big trade chip for the New York Knicks, because to find a point guard in the NBA that is this good, it's not easy. The Knicks have two of them. They have Jalen Brunson, and they have Emmanuel Quigley. Jalen Brunson is the franchise right now, so the Knicks are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Emmanuel Quigley. I do not believe they're going to re-sign him in the offseason. Being that they didn't extend him going into the season, he is a restricted free agent, so he can go wherever he wants. So if I were the Knicks at the trade deadline, knowing that he could go wherever he wants, and I believe teams will throw money at him, you trade him and get as much as you can back for him. Yeah, it's definitely a plausible move for the Knicks, considering how much minutes both Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes and Dante DiVincenzo have been playing. Kind of very similar to Quigley this season, 24.7, and the other ones are right in the 20s as well. Quentin Grimes needs to play better. This is a guy that they would not trade Donovan Mitchell for two years ago. And everybody thought that this kid was going to be a star when he's averaging 6.3 points per game. I understand Tom Thibodeau has not played him as much as he should, especially the way he was playing him last year. I want to see more from Quinn Grimes. I want to see the development of him. We see it from Emmanuel Quigley. Why haven't we seen it from him? A lot of single-digit points per game with these guys in the wing defender roles. Josh Hart was always thought of that. He got the extension this offseason. Dante DiVincenzo they brought in to reunite all the Villanova guys. He's had some issues with free throws. He's good with effective field goals, been efficient from three, but still needs to find a little more. But you're right, Grimes has not gotten it going in the same volume that you want to see. 35.8% for three-point range is kind of league average. And overall field goal percentage of 36.4% is really concerning right yes. now. And how about Josh Hart? We paid Josh Hart in the offseason. Why hasn't the Knicks gotten enough out of him offensively? I want to see more from Josh Hart. This team is depending too much on R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brown. 
Brunson. And that's a huge problem when you're depending on these two players. Because if they're not scoring and they're not producing, what is this team going to do? That's a huge problem. So we've been hearing a lot about Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. We've been hearing a little bit about Donovan Mitchell. Maybe you make a move for both of them. Are you willing to trade R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quigley for two stars like that? I don't know. But right now, if the Knicks could add another piece here and there, I think the Knicks are going to be in a very good position to succeed. We know Donovan Mitchell wants to be a Nick anyway, so that might even no drive question. the price down for the Cavs. You're definitely not going to have to trade both of them in that kind of deal. Probably only one of them. And like you said, Well, what I'm like saying, if they're interested in Cat too, they could get both of them. You can use this as a three-team trade, and you can add both of these guys, and you give up prospects. The Knicks have a ton of first-round draft picks, if they ever turn into anything. They have Emmanuel Quickly. They have R.J. Barrett. Maybe you can keep R.J. Barrett. Maybe you trade Julius Randle and somebody else. Yeah. Maybe a Quinn Grimes, because Quinn Grimes isn't producing like we thought he was going to. But right now, they're a fifth seed, right ahead of the Miami Heat. Miami Heat, they haven't taken their game into full throttle yet. When they do, they're going to be very, very dangerous. And you mentioned Quentin Grimes as being somebody that was being riveted in the previous offseason, too. So you wonder, maybe now they take advantage of that kind of thing where his value is a little lower. They might be more comfortable moving him when you've seen how well Quigley's playing if they do want to trade him, too. There's a lot of combinations of these trades, and there's a lot of stars that have become available and rumored to the Knicks. Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, we've heard. Now, obviously, Giannis is not going to happen now, but Donovan Mitchell's always been the big one, even going back to last offseason. The Brooklyn Nets, there's a lot of questions with this team. Now, we didn't expect this team to be great, and right now, they're still a playoff contender. They're the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. They're 9-9. They're playing hard. Points per game, they're still averaging 116, which is really impressive for a team that doesn't have a superstar. Starting to transition that Mikel Bridges is becoming a superstar. He's having a sensational season. 21.8 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 3.9 assists per game. He's been everything that they got when they traded Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. He's really becoming the superstar that they made a trade for. Cam Thomas, who started off the season very, very strong, now is fighting injury. He could have been a great find for the Brooklyn Nets. Really has been sensational. And that's something that I have to give Marks a lot of credit for because he comes from the San Antonio Spurs organization and they find these guys in the late rounds. Cam Thomas slowly was turning into a star. He was drafted in 2021. He was a first round draft pick from the Brooklyn Nets. He comes from Japan. He was picked 27. So I expect more from some of the other players until this kid comes back. Yeah, they have a lot of shooters of very similar types. Cam Thomas, a good three-point shooter. He was like that way in college at LSU. Really was off to that scorching start at the start of the year before he got hurt. He was still serving a kind of a bench role, too. Jock Vaughn was reluctant to transition into a starter full-time for whatever reason, but it shows the Nets have still good, some capable enough guards that could score. Cam Johnson, good mid-range shooter. Lonnie Spencer Wal- Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, revolutionizing his game again. One of the better, more underrated journeyman point guards. Lonnie Walker, who played very well with the Lakers in the playoffs last year. The problem is with the Nets is they're just a smaller team. Outside of Nick Claxton, they really don't present much on defense on the interior. Ben Simmons, we know, is a liability as a scorer as a whole, too. <laughs> now, he's played uh, some decent defense, but still, we know his effort is still not always there. And Nick Claxton, who was hurt, only played nine games much of the year, too. And they haven't really found that. The Nets are 20th in defensive efficiency this year and are allowing a lot of points, especially inside. How many players in the NBA that's averaging almost 39 to $40 million a year that's averaging 6.5, 10 rebounds a game, and 6 assists? Not many, but Ben Simmons is absolutely robbing the Brooklyn Nets. But I can say that about every single player that's come to this organization and this team so far. Kyrie Irving, robbing them. Harden, robbing them. Kevin Durant, robbing them. None of these guys have been successful ever since they came to this organization. And now you make a move, and you bring Ben Simmons in here, and he's sitting there, and he's sitting pretty. He's wearing his Gucci sweatshirts and wearing his nice big necklaces and driving his beautiful cars. Good for him, because he's been absolutely horrendous. And let's not forget even going further back to the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, yep. Deron Williams, all these other veteran guys that love to rob the Nets. I think Joe Johnson was probably the only one that played decently when he came over there. That's true. It's a shame for this organization. And Marks, who I still think 
think he's a good GM. He's made a lot of mistakes over the last couple of years. I'm surprised he still has a job, maybe because uh-huh. of the owner or maybe just because the organization doesn't want to move past what they have. So we'll see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets. I still think the Knicks are going to be a very dangerous team as the trade deadline comes around sometime around February before the playoffs. I expect the Knicks to make a big move for a big player and really transition this team for the playoffs. When we come back, no Chaz, no Wes, no problem, as we have Hector from Moneyline Mania here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crowd Shop. Your host, Arrow Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. with me and Speedy Petey. All you have to do to tune in to our network is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, there is no Chess. There is no Wes. There is no Johns, Joes, Juices, and Juices of Hectors. But we do have the Hecky Becky, as we call this segment Moneyline Mania. <laughs> this is Moneyline Mania with Chess and the crew. Chaz is in Brazil. He's hanging out with his wife and his family. But we do have Hector. I haven't seen Hector in a while. How are you, Hector? Good. Long time no see, guys. Been keeping up with the show. Great job. Thank you, Hector. But I want to see what you've been keeping up on because we know you're a soccer guy, European football guy. So why don't we get into it? I know you have your big picks, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, I mean, I've been keeping up with Liga MX during the playoffs right now. EPL, they're finishing up over the second half of the season, but everything's right here in San Diego. It's all about MLS and Liga MX. Uh, we have some good teams right now in Liga MX that are fighting for the uh, playoffs to keep in the second round. My beloved Chivas of Guadalajara came out with a 1-0 victory over Pumas at home, and uh, I think they're going to keep the ball rolling. Now they got to play the second leg over at UNAM, the National University of Mexico. It'll be packed with Pumas fans, but that won't matter. I'm expecting Chivas to uh, come out on top again and come out with a 2-1 to victory there that'll make it push them over to the semifinals. It'll be a close game. There's a rivalry game, but they had a good regular season and they got a new coach, so I think being the team that plays with all that passion from the uh, Mexican fans is going to help them out there. And the other game that we got, Club America, the rivals of Chivas, they're playing against Lyon. They came out with a 2-2 to tie at Lyon. That helps them out for the uh, game, the second game at Estadio Azteca. It's going to be packed. Probably like 100,000 fans there rooting on Club America. America. And unfortunately, I think they're going to come out on top. Got the leading goal scorer, uh, Henry Martin. He's also with the Mexican national team. He scored both goals for Club America there in the first game against Leon. And I think they're going to come out on top in another close one, 1-0. One to That'll push them to the semifinal. We might see a rematch of Chivas de Guadalajara versus that dreaded Club America that, boo, everybody in Mexico should hate. But unfortunately, they still got a lot of fans there. So they'll probably face each other in the semifinal. And yeah, those are my two picks in the soccer world, guys. All right. I know you're a Steelers fan. Before we get to your NFL picks, I know you're happy about Matt Canada getting fired, I'm sure. Oh, man, dude, I don't know how he stayed on his job. Even the games that he won, they should have lost some of those games. Dude, that game against the Ravens where he gave him an extra 40 seconds at the end, I was like, you can't line up your offense correctly, dude? Are you serious? Yeah, it was long overdue. I'm kind of, everything happens for a reason, and I think it turned out to be a blessing in disguise that they lost the game against the Cleveland Browns, 13-10, but I think I want to stay away from the Cedars this week because they gave me kind of a heart attack against Cincinnati. They should have lost that game with the backup for Cincinnati playing, but they came out on top on that one. I got uh, a couple picks for you in the NFL. The uh, Los Angeles 
Angeles Chargers. I'll talk about another team that's having some issues there with their coaching staff and Brandon Staley having more passion when he's taking on the reporters than when he's taking on the opponent. I think the uh, Chargers, they're five and a half against uh, the New England Patriots. Favorite right now. New England's called the season, guys. They're over it. They're going to go for the first round pick, hopefully. And you never know, if they're talking about Belichick coming to LA, so that might be a precursor to what we're going to see next season with the Chargers. I think they're going to bounce back, even though it's at New England. I think they're going to cover that one by a touchdown. Now, they're not going to make the playoffs anyway, but I think, like I said, after watching the ending of the New York Giants versus Patriots game, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Patriots are like not playing to win anymore. So, and I know you got that New York Giants jersey there, so no offense there. Steve. Yeah, but Bill Belichick and, uh, had to lose to the Giants one more time. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to stay away from the Steelers, even though I do like the over on that one. Uh, I think the Steelers' offense is starting to click a little bit better now, and they've got a couple good running backs playing for them. If I were to bet that one, it wouldn't be the Steelers at minus five. It'll be the over 37 and a half there at Pittsburgh. So that's the optional one. But the one that I am looking at for sure is the Detroit Lions against the New Orleans Saints. The Lions, for some reason, are favored by five points right now at New Orleans. New Orleans is technically tied for the lead in their division, five and six. That's probably the worst division in football. But they're playing at home, and it's almost like a playoff game for them. They got to keep pace with the Falcons. And the Lions are so inconsistent. You don't know what to expect from those guys week in and week out. Sometimes they look like world beaters. Sometimes they can't even get out of their own way. So I'm not sold on the Lions, guys. I'm sorry. Everybody's jumping on their bandwagon, but I'm still iffy on them. But I think I like the four and a half, and I actually like the Saints to win that one outright with the home crowd in New Orleans. So those are my three picks in the NFL, guys. Thank you, Hector, for joining us, making your picks. I know Errol's definitely thinking the Falcons are going to win because they're playing against the Jets. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this team. Well, actually, I do. They don't have a quarterback. If they think Tim Boyle is the answer, I think they're the answer of the garbage. I think the garbage is the answer for the Jets. I don't know what is going to sell for the New York Jet fans, but Aaron Rodgers is coming back or not. There's no way he's coming back. The most expensive cheerleader in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> the, remember, guys, Suck for Luck? That was like so long ago. What's the 2024 version of Suck for Luck now? I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Caleb Williams has that good of a catchphrase, but he wants to go buy a team, so maybe he'll find one himself. Suck for the labrum. That's what we'll call him. I had a repair on my labrum. Maybe I'll suck for him. Hopefully Caleb Williams doesn't have that. So oh, well, you never hopefully. know. He cries <laughs> after every loss, too, so that's kind of get over That's true, too. But he cries about more things than that. But Hector, we really appreciate it, as always. I know Chaz is hanging out in Brazil, and I'm a little sick. I have a post-nasal drip, but that's why we're here. We're here to entertain all the fans out there, and we really appreciate the time, as always. Good talking to you guys. Feel better. Thank you, Hector. Hector, Moneyline Mania. Guys, you should be tuning in every single week. You want to make some money. Now you know. It's suck for the labrum. Caleb, he's a labrum. I don't know what that means, but it's a part of your body, so if you need a labrum, you reach out to Caleb. When we come to Speedy, what do we got? Rich time! Here on the Weekend Crutch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey, every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Great guests, great content, and crazy callers. All you have to do to tune in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And please, ladies and gentlemen, subscribe and check out our shows, whatever you've missed, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Check out the Sports Loudmouth. Yes, the Sports Loudmouth. Three separate words, ladies and gentlemen. Or check out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Apple Podcasts and 
Spotify. Oh, my God. It's been a great show, Speedy. It really has. Thank you to Nick Pollock. He's fantastic. Thank you to Hector for joining us and giving us his picks. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to 103.9 FM. Thank you to the Islanders for letting us do the pregame show and satisfying you Islander fans with some commentary as the game was around the corner. And thank you to all the fans throughout the year that tunes in to the Weekend Crunch every single Saturday. We really appreciate you guys, and thank you very, very much. And now, Speedy, what do we got? Courage time! It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start Crunch Time with a little NFL college crossover. We heard uh, Deion Sanders might be an interesting target for some NFL teams this offseason. Buy or sell, he'll get an NFL job. Uh, If the NFL teams have any understanding on coaching, and I'm going to say this very, very nicely. We saw him at Jackson State, a very small Division One school, and now we've seen him in Colorado. He won his first three games and absolutely bombed on every single one of them after. If I was any organization's owner or GM right now, I would not hire Deion Sanders, at least right now. So I will say I will not buy it. So I will... Cut it. I like that cut it? Yes, I I like the cut it. I like the cut it. Not sell it. I like the cut it. Why not? I'll cut it slash sell it because I don't think that he's been able to transition that thing in the NFL. When you look at him reliance on the transfer portal so much, at least 60 new players on that team. You're not going to get that kind of roster in the NFL to just translate overnight. There's a salary cap. There are draft picks. There's money you have to manage. It's just too much for somebody like that to manage all at once. Run. Run away from this. All those teams interested in Deion Sanders. It's never going to work. That includes you, Carolina that likes to fire coaches within uh, the middle of the season. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to sell that as well. All right, let's go to baseball. The Rays will portray both Tyler Glasnow and Randy Arozarena. I buy it. I absolutely buy it. This is what the Rays do. They get these guys at a high point, and they build them up to a high point, and then they trade them. They get a bunch of prospects, and they build them to a high point, and then they trade them. I absolutely buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. Arozarena is still young enough where I think he's going to spawn some good value, even though the corner outfield market is never as great. And Glasnow, I think there's enough teams that need pitching. I think the Reds are definitely the team that could look at that because they, I thought, should have traded for starting pitching at the deadline. We know the Cubs losing Stroman will definitely be interested as well. And you never can rule out the Mets with all the pitching that they need because if they strike out on one of the big names, don't be surprised if they just go for more depth. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to buy that as well. All right, let's go to the NBA. Draymond Green will get suspended again this season. I hope so. He likes to choke people. He likes to tell people that he doesn't care what he does on and off the court. So why not suspend him? Absolutely believe that he will be suspended again this year. He's stupid. He does stupid things. And when you're stupid and you do stupid things, stupid things happen. I buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. I think it's just a repeat offender at this point. The reputation is not going to go away from him. If it hasn't gone away from him for 12 years, what is he going to do away He now? doesn't care anyways. He's basically the Vontaze Perfect of the NBA at this point. 275000 Ah, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, why not? The Warriors are paying $105 million. I think they just re-extended it last offseason anyway, whatever they were going to trade him. And if they're not going to trade him, he's just going to keep doing his thing. So I'm going to buy that as well. All right, let's go to Sunday Night Football. All four of Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown have at least 70 receiving yards. I'm going to sell that. I don't believe all four of them are going to be able to do that. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it's going to be more defensively sound than Mm -hmm. offense. I think both teams are very good defensively. Front lines are as good as any in football, so I am going to sell that. Yeah, I'm going to sell that one, too. I think the 49ers secondary has gotten a lot better in recent weeks. I actually like the matchup for Charvarius Ward against Devontae Smith, the guy that's been more of a physical slot type guy. I think he's going to have a rough game. Brown will get his. Brown will definitely get close 
close to 100. He's sensational. I think Ayuk will, too. I'm not sure about Debo Samuel as much. I think the Eagles, after the catch, are much better. They're struggling more against big plays. So I'm going to sell that one as well. All right, buy or sell. Corey Perry will play in the NHL again this season. Oh, I'm going to buy it. You cannot give up on a player that is a veteran that can put the puck in the net. Five goals, four assists, nine points. I don't know what happened in Chicago. The stories are coming out in so many different avenues. I don't know. I do believe he'll be available. I'm going to buy. He will be back this year. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. He's had a lot of Stanley Cup experience recently, mostly on the losing teams, Montreal, Dallas, etc. But enough experience. I don't know if he's going to get signed right away, but definitely more towards the end of the season, like March, April, more obvious playoff teams, especially when the Islanders could use him. The Islanders could use him. Why not? He could add him to the fourth line. He has an identity. We just don't know what his identity is. Put him on the first line. I think it would absolutely fit over there. You put him with Bo Orvat and Matthew Barzell. You had a veteran player that could put the puck in the net. I would love to see the Islanders do it just to take back the average age title of being the oldest team in the NHL. To be the really oldest. Third oldest in the NHL this season. So maybe they signed Corey Perry to surpass the Penguins. Why not? But nevertheless, I am going to buy that. That is a Lou move. (laughs) That is a Lou move indeed. I'm going to buy that as well. All right, back to baseball. The Blue Jays will trade one of Bo Bichette or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They'd be stupid to do that, but I absolutely buy it. I do believe they're going to trade one of those guys. They're not going to be able to resign both of them. They're both going to want a significant amount of money after this season. And we've been hearing Otani. Why don't you worry about your own players? So I absolutely buy it. I'm going to sell it. It's the same thing I mentioned a couple weeks ago with the Mets and Pete Alonso. I think they're only going to do that if they get Shohei Otani and they have to shed more money. I think Bichette has been one of the most complete players, and I think he's definitely worthy of any contract. Vlad Guerrero, you always say it all the time, is like one of the most raw power hitters in baseball, and I don't think you're going to be able to get rid of that. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to get Otani, so I think at that point they're going to realize, all right, let's go sign our current guys, and we'll trade for other guys after that. So I am going to sell that. All right, NBA in-season tournament has officially had their bracket. It's the Bucks, Knicks, Pacers, and Celtics, and then you got the Lakers, Suns, Kings, and Pelicans. Buy or sell? Somebody other than the Bucks or the Celtics will win. I do. I buy it. I don't understand this tournament. It doesn't mean anything. They're making $500,000 extra every single player. I don't think it means anything. Because it doesn't mean anything, I think a team where you least expect is going to win this whole tournament. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it too because the Celtics love resting players at random times too. I don't know if you're going to see them play as hard either. The Nobody Bucks, cares about The this. Bucks with a new coach too. Like you're saying, lack of depth I think is going to be hard. I would watch out for a team like the Kings, a younger team. Maybe those younger players get the incentives with the bonuses right away. Being they don't have a lot of big contracts. Maybe the Pelicans, too. I think it'll be probably one of them that ends up winning because I think they're going to be trying as hard, so I'm going to buy it. All right, one more. C.J. Stroud and Russell Wilson will both have over 250 passing yards and over 30 rushing yards. I buy it. I do. I think both guys are going to be sensational in this game. I expect to see more of Russell Wilson in this game run the ball and throw the ball on the run. Texans defense, there's a lot of questions in this secondary. Even though they've drafted some good defensive players, defensive backs, there's a lot of questions. I do believe that Russell Wilson will do it, and C.J. Stroud, he's been doing it every single week, so I do believe that, too. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too, because the Texans, they come in from 49ers defense to Mecca Ryans. They've always struggled against running quarterbacks. I definitely think Russell Wilson will, especially with his experience against that scheme as well. Texans secondary, while it has been down this year, I think a lot of it has to do with injuries, so I do think Russell Wilson will be able to stretch the field and CJ Stroud, those big plays that he's been able to get on. I think he'll be able to decoy from Sertan a lot, and the Broncos don't have a great front seven, so I definitely think they'll be able to run as well, so I am going to buy it. And for all the fans out there, I've mentioned about Dak Prescott and how great he's been this year, and we've mentioned the other three quarterbacks. Don't forget about C.J. Stroud. I know he's a rookie. I understand his numbers aren't there with the other guys. This is a rookie putting up those numbers right now. It's unbelievable what C.J. Stroud is doing right now. All the fans out there, all those fantasy football gurus that have turned their back on this hit because he's a rookie, boy, oh boy, did you guys miss the boat. I didn't on two of my leagues. And for anybody that hasn't picked up C.J. Stroud, well, you guys missed out on it. He's been sensational. I have to give a lot of credit to Dak Prescott, too. He's been sensational yes. as well. And I think he is 
as the MVP of the league as of right now. If he continues doing this for the next three weeks out of the next five weeks, he's the MVP, even if the last two games of the year isn't good. I think it's been a great year. And by the way, it's December. Thank you to 103.9 FM. This is the third year we've been on their network. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do the pregame show for the Islanders on Saturdays. We really appreciate you. Thank you to Bruce and John and Joe, Pat, all you guys. Thank you to 103.9 for letting us be part of the family and many, many years to come. We really appreciate you guys and I hope everybody enjoys our takes when it comes to sports media and sports radio. And if you missed the Thanksgiving thing, Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. And let's get ready for Christmas and New Year's. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving again, everybody. We're very thankful for you for listening to our show. And hopefully uh, everyone has a happy holiday season as well as we go into Christmas. Thank you guys for listening all year. And all the years we've been on this network as well, it's been an absolute blast. And now with the Islanders pregame show as well, with the Moneyline Mania, with all our guests that have come on that have been great supporters of us. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back next Saturday. So don't worry about it. And another Islander game. We'll be back next Saturday as well. So tune in Every single Saturday to hear us now at 10.30 p.m. But listen to the pregame show before the Islander games. Tune in every single week as we entertain you after the game. Good night, everybody.